Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. This is episode 111, I think. Is it 111? I think so. Let me let me double check that for you whilst you carry on waffling. The, the big one, one, one. Um, and for the third, for once again, it is an all British podcast. Which, as I said in the last two, um, well, three of the last four main pods, it will be um, main show pods will be uh, all British. And as I said, that is you know natural because it's a British sport. Yeah, um, it's, it's only right. Stay out of it. Mm. Yeah, the Americans are. Uh, busy or ill or something. I don't really care. And uh, and they're no, intrusive as well. Why are they? Why do they keep they coming on this show? Exactly. <laughs> um, but 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 get well soon. It is one eleven. Uh, I don't want you in the podcast, but I don't want you ill either. He's uh, <laughs> actually got food poisoning because he ate some dodgy Chinese or some shit. Yeah. Um, that obviously does uh, imply that I am joined by the only other British member of the quadfector, as Daniel says. <laughs> um. Rob, the man with versatile name, uh, Rob, Bob, Bertha, uh, Bertrand, uh, Bertrand Traore. We saying Bertha. <laughs> um, I'm pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty unique one, actually. I don't think I've been called Bertrand Traore yet, but I d- I'm glad I don't have to go through the, the utter pain of Daniel going on to random name finder and and yeah. then him being referring to me as something like, I don't know, Mufasa or or, or, <laughs> or podcast um but yeah I'm I'm pretty yeah. good um the listeners I I don't know if you ever heard it in the last I don't know three months but I'm often caught out with fire alarms and annoying people knocking on my door and things like that in these podcasts these days but that will not be happening today because I am I'm back at home I'm back at um the home of the Rob Worthington recording studio um where I talk about Arsenal uh, and I have returned from uni. Um, so yeah, no interruptions today, which I'm sure everyone will just be delighted to hear. Bouncing off the walls. Oh yeah, they'll say. be so gassed. Yeah, exactly. Probably doing knee slides, <laughs> like Aaron Ramsdale <laughs> yes. in bedrooms or, or cars or wherever they're in the gym. Um, yeah, listen where you want. We don't care. Yeah, just and listen. if you are in the gym, I'd, I would uh, encourage you to do a knee slide. It <laughs> might be quite painful, but... <laughs> um, yeah, you'd look sick. I'm also actually returned uh, to the to the home recording studio of, of Alfred Cairns Coleshaw. Um, yeah, I came back yesterday from uni, uh, so that also means that we'll probably be hyping up or increasing the amount of content we release uh, yes. from We Love You Arsenal Productions over the next sort of three, four, five weeks. Um, hopefully, some YouTube stuff. Hopefully, mm. some extra podcasts. We will be doing a drunk cast um, yearly yes. review episode, which we did last year, which was unreal. Some iconic moments, uh, including Rob's uh, throwing up into his jaw. <laughs> and that was, God, that was pretty unreal. That was a year ago yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was jokes. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that Yeah, it's mad that that was yet. a year ago. But yeah. uh, that, that was literally... If you haven't listened to that, actually, go back because it... Even though it's like a year old, it's like still like it retains its value in terms of comedy, particularly towards the it end. Does. It's just an absolute shit show. Um, it's up there with the best drunk cast song, with obviously <laughs> the one that we videoed, yes. uh, which you can also still see on YouTube if you want to go and watch that, particularly part two, which is still like relevant. Yeah. Um, and that is the We Love Your Arsenal YouTube channel. Find it. 
Um, we'll, we'll leave a link in the description of this podcast. Anyway, let's get on to the topic that we're, we're going to dissect the Southampton game. Mm-hmm. Um, 3-0, a good win. Um, a lot of elements to talk about. A big uh, contentious issue um, with regards to the starting eleven, which we'll get into. Um, but Rob, 3-0, how... I'm going to ask what I always ask. I know Daniel goes a slightly different direction when he's hosting, but I'm going to ask what <laughs> I always ask. What? How are you feeling and what are your general feelings towards the result and performance? Yeah, I think in general, I'm happy. Um, you know, we, we obviously had a, had a shaky start, but I think that actually sort of played into our hands with regard to the first goal because Southampton thought, God, they're playing dreadfully. Let's let's press up in their faces. And then, of course, we scored that that magical first goal by by being the press so brilliantly. And that as as has been said so so widely, that, that is Arteta ball at, at its finest. And um then for the remainder of the game, I, you know, we phased in our in and out with regard to our pressure, but we did have moments of really good sustained pressure. Um you know when when Martinelli and Saka hit the hit the post in sort of close close in a close time frame. Mm. There, um, there is that video going around of about three minute video of just us, yeah, completely penning them in. Every time we lose the ball from like a failed attack, we regain it immediately yeah. and pen them in their final third. Yeah, and, and that, that was that was really really excellent excellent that period, and we haven't seen much of that. Uh, probably up there with our with our best attacking football of the season so far, and just in general, as I said, we haven't seen much of that under Arteta. So it's good to see that we 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 have that in our locker. I know that Southampton were very poor, and you know I'm just going to caveat that that you know from everything that I've said, Southampton were very bad. Um, and mm. they have been all season, and you know, generally we're also very good at home. So it, it was a game that I expected us to play well in, and, and I'm glad we did. Uh, we responded mm. well after a really, you know, despondent game at, at Goodison Park. Um, however, you know, we we must look at things positively with when things are going well. At the end of the day, these are the games that we have to win, and we won it. And um, yeah, hopefully that mm. can be a, a nice little pedestal that we can sort of step off to towards bigger and better things in the coming weeks yeah well the famous phrase bounce back ability we showed mm-hmm. it in this game because obviously you mentioned the Everton game there um absolutely appalling mm. uh, from start to finish I'm glad I sort of didn't fo- feature on that podcast because yeah. I would have been probably quite vexed particularly if it was you know more of a instantaneous reaction um yeah, we'll get into the... I actually do want to get into the sort of... And this is going to be a, a focus of my piece tomorrow. Um, sort of the difference between our home and away form. We'll get into that. Mm. Um, and we will obviously get into... So, yeah, the, the, well, we will touch on the team selection quickly. Um, we'll get into the obvious thing of Aubameyang not being involved because of... Well, we, we all know what happened. Um, I don't think it probably merits as much conversation now as it probably would have done on... On Saturday or Sunday itself, um, mm. just because I think it's been covered quite heavily now, we will get into it. But in general, the starting eleven, um, personally, I was a little bit surprised Granite Shaka took, uh, retained his place. Obviously, he came back much, much more quickly, and you know, I think it was a month ahead of schedule, yeah, way ahead. Um, which was a surprise. And I mean, not really surprised with him. It's the sort of, like that sort of. 
you, you sort of expect that from Granit Xhaka. Um, but I thought he was very, very exhausted, or he looked exhausted against Everton. Mm. Um, and I thought this was a pretty similar display, to be honest. Um, personally, I would have brought Lakonga back in after his, you know, he was brilliant against Newcastle. And we haven't seen him since, apart from obviously the cameo in this game. Any other decisions in that team? Because uh, this was actually the first time we've um, not made any changes yeah. after a defeat in the league since 1997. Yeah, well, I was, um, I was, I was just going to say in general, I think it was very surprising that there wasn't a single change after how dreadful we mm. were at Everton. Um, you know, I thought, I thought Eddie might have started up top over Lacquer, who was just awful um, in, in that loss last week. You know, but I thought Lacazette mm. actually looked a, a bit, a bit better in terms of his mobility. But God, his. Uh, I'm sure we'll cover this a bit later, but his reluctance to shoot is absolutely baffling. We were talking about that in the group chat. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, ballsy from Arteta, I think really on paper, it, it definitely is our, our best 11 bar, maybe Aubameyang starting over Lacazette. Um, mm, perhaps and, and Smith-Rowe, of course. But in terms of what we had available to us, it was the best 11 considering Smith-Rowe's struggling a bit with fitness. I, I thought that maybe he might have been brought back in, but yeah, best to keep him wrapped in cotton wool till he's ready. And um, yeah, I was happy. I, I take it you were probably a bit surprised like I was when it was announced that it was unchanged again. Yeah, I was. And sort of with Lacazette, as was well. there anyone, any, um, anyone in particular? Yeah, you mentioned Shaka as well. I, I, I was a bit surprised mm. to see Partey keep his place, to be honest. Yeah, although I think if you look at our option, I think one of Partey and Shaka has to start because yeah. in terms of seniority in that pivot, I think if we don't have either of them, then it's... Uh, we've seen Lekonga and Maitland-Niles be functional, but not uh, the most progressive, particularly in mm. home games when you need to progress the ball more quickly and there's more of an onus on that instead of ball retention however yeah so that's why I would have started Partey just because I think Shaka was more in need of not playing physically um, but yeah I mean most of the team although we'd lost against Everton and were appalling there weren't there wasn't that much wriggle room which possibly suggests the state of the squad at the moment that mm. there is competition in places but particularly in forward areas, it's looking a bit light in terms of players and form um, of late. We'll get into the first 15, 20 minutes, which were pretty diabolical. We were speaking about it in the, on the group chat. We were saying this has been fucking dreadful. And I think it was a bit of a hangover from the Everton game, a team that looked really lacking confidence. Uh. Um, having said that, we knew what Southampton were going to do. We knew their game plan. We knew just the, their style, their stylistic approach. Um, they are one of the you know most fierce pressing teams in the league. Whether it's uh, you know particularly effective or not, um, league table would suggest it's not always been effective for them. We knew what they were going to do, and we spent the first 15, 20 minutes trying to implement that game plan. We were trying to play out from the back, back and play through their press ineffectively. Mm. Um, and we'll get into how it eventually paid dividends. And I think that's just the, the goal that we scored was the biggest um, indication of what playing out from back and persisting with that tactic can do um, mm. and, and the rewards it can bring. What, like, what do you think, like, get, just explain that opening 15, 20 minutes. Cause I was 
pretty fucking fuming. We just couldn't get out. We couldn't string five or six passes together. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would I would agree with your sort of um, analysis in terms of, of the lack of confidence. That hangover was, was vivid. Um, and yet I think when you want to play the sort of football that Arteta likes his team to play, I think I think that can really hurt you because um, it takes a lot, you know, to be brave on the ball at the back. Uh, it takes a lot of confidence, really. It's it's a ballsy decision to be able to, you know, play the risky pass into I don't know Granite Shaka or Thomas Partey in midfield rather than lump it long. Um, but hmm. during the first fifteen minutes, I think that it was perhaps a good sign that we were still trying to do that despite the fact it was going wrong. Uh, but it, it was going very wrong. Uh, perhaps the, the Southampton press was overwhelming us a little bit amid our, our lack of confidence. I think that's just what it can be attributed to. I think it's pretty plain and simple. Um, it was a mixture of Southampton pressing well and Arsenal lacking confidence and those playing poorly. Um, but as I said, eventually it worked into our advantage because... Uh, I think mm. Southampton were ready to pounce and we were lucky not to be punished a few times beforehand as well. And I think Vinay wrote in his, in his tactical points that most teams, perhaps West Ham, would have pounced on some of the uh, errors that a few of our players made. I remember Gabriel played a really poor pass into the middle of the park, yeah. Which, yeah. which should have been punished. Um, and I'm glad that he sort of turned things around in the second half because I, I thought that he wasn't particularly great against Everton either. Um so yeah, mm. good for him that that he turned things around. Uh, and if if I'm being honest, I think the whole team just benefited hugely from sort of the the commanding state of the of the second half play. And really, as soon as we scored, we established our authority over the game. And it was also nice to see us kill off the game very quickly, which is which is something that we don't do when we're away from home, uh, which uh, we've mm. spoken about pretty extensively. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into the goal. Uh, I think the first 20 minutes was literally just us trying to play through and just not doing it as they pressed pretty well. Mm. Um, and it was just like sort of, we didn't have a shot until we scored um, because we just couldn't get through their press. And if we were going long, we were losing it immediately because we didn't really have that. We didn't have a Nicolas Pepe who we'd normally aim our long kicks for. Mm. Um, the goal, yeah. just so nice. And it, it was people talking about reminiscent of the Arsene Wenger days. I I agree with that. For me, it, it reminded me sort of some of the goals we saw early in Emery's era when Emery was trying to play out from oh, the back. Oh, yeah, and it was I, I Significantly know worse, but we did. For, for example, I think it was Fulham away. We scored a brilliant goal. Um, when we went back to front and scored against Leicester, that beautiful goal, the team mm. goal. Um, it was, yeah, th- I mean, I think it was sort of the deeper penetrative passes that were more impressive. The The final bits were nice, but they weren't as like intricate because we created the space yeah. through beating the press. Uh, White, really composed. I think Partey's pass is probably the best in the build-up pinpoint. Mm. It's perfectly weighted, fizzed into Tomiyasu. Tomiyasu's layoff into Odegaard's brilliant, the, the one-two. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Tomiyasu's Tomi driving pass. forwards. Yeah, and I think Saka does very well. Mm. Um to sort of just use his pace to drive down the line and it, on his weaker foot, it's a perfect cutback and a great finish and very much against the run of play. Not that Southampton had been creating much, but they'd had quite a few shots already at that point mm. and were, you know, pressing us well, as we were saying. But as we said, 
perfect advertisement for playing out the back. And it's what all these sort of dinosaur pundits sort of oh. say, oh, why would you play out from the back? You know, you're way, just going to lose and just go long. The way, that is um, exactly why you do it. Were you watching it on that American channel that had that, what was his name, Tony Gale commentary yeah, on the, it? Yeah, uh, the... Yeah, and he was just saying, "Oh, that's yeah. so risky from Arsenal, but it's paid off." And it's like, "Yes, mate, that's the whole point." <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with with everything you've said, and I, I think if anything, it's the perfect advertisement of how to score a goal against a team like Southampton, or you yeah. know, any team that presses high. You know, once once um, Tommy Asu played that pass into Erdegaard. Um, and then Odegaard returned it to him and Tomiyasu released Saka. Southampton was so, so open. And um, that that is why you play around the press because it just leaves a team so, so unorganised once once you get past it. Um, and take, take nothing away from Saka. He drove with the ball excellently. Again, pinpoint ball with his right foot, which um, you know has been talked about a lot on social media, his two-footedness. And I'm glad it's finally getting some recognition because it's a, criminally underrated aspects of his game um and it offers so much sort of unpredictability on the right flank i thought that saka in general was just absolutely fantastic and i think uh for me it's positive the positive is that i think he can go up another gear um i'm sure we'll get into some Mm. more individual performances later but um yeah just just a brilliant brilliant goal and you know, whilst whilst you say we scored some of those goals under Emery, I, I always felt that those goals were sort of remnants of the the Wenger era rather than Emery's yeah, coaching. Yeah. Whereas, you know, this is clearly Arteta's philosophy, what he's trying to implement, and I'm not going to stand. When I said that, I mean like Wenger, we would see very nice passing moves, but it would uh, it wouldn't always be like straight from the back when yeah yeah press. It'd always be like within the final third intricate passing moves. Yeah, this yeah. was like. This was like what Arteta wants to be yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, fu- I fundamentally agree with that. You know, some of the best Wenger goals, you know, the Wilshire one springs to mind, their intricate passes in and around the penalty area. Mm. This Rosicki versus Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is this is what Arteta is. It's beating the press. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's the best thing to ever have graced the game, but it's, it's pretty beautiful when it comes off, but needs to mm. come off more consistently. That's the key. Yeah, and that goal woke us up a bit. I don't think we... It's not like the floodlights opened, but uh, we began to get a bit of control. I think we started to have a lot more possession after that point. Mm. Um, Lacazette went through a couple times where one way he tried to square it to Martinelli uh, when he should have just shot on his left foot and one where he sort of broke into the box and just sort of dribbled into players again when he should have shot. Um and yeah, we started to get a semblance of control. Partey grew into the game after a bit of a nervy start. And Southampton's threat significantly reduced after that. I think they were pretty disappointed given the way they'd started the game that they'd somehow found a way to go behind. We weren't exactly free-flowing, as in we still... I think we had like four or five shots at half-time. I think Saka had a pretty good chance from brilliant Odegaard. Uh, oh, yeah. Keel. Stunning. Mm. Um. But the second goal, might as well get into, which was also our <laughs> second shot, by the yeah. way. I was thinking at that point, this is like Liverpool at home from Project Restart, the XG shot <laughs> masterclass. Um, yeah, uh, I, I feel like this goal, it was obviously a little bit a little bit more scrappy, but I feel like it's getting 
just being talked about as if it was like some goal mouth scrap where it was like bouncing about from a corner or something. Like it was still like some nice uh, uh, some interplay before. Yeah, got yeah. Odegaard no, I think it's nice just the, to Saka. Yeah, just Saka the fortuitous lays it back nicely. Just the fortuitous yeah, nature of sort of Tierney's scrambling Tierney's about. But I actually think t- Tomiyasu's cross is so underrated because mm. I think it's so deliberately swung towards Tierney and it's like perfectly executed. Mm. Tierney obviously fluffed his lines a couple times, but then nods it across to Odegaard. Odegaard three and three. Mm. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I think this is going to be a sustainable, like he's going to keep yeah, scoring. Because no um, the, me- the underlying metrics aren't like amazing at the moment for him in terms of his goal threat. But the fact he is beginning to arrive uh, in these positions is encouraging and hopefully he adds that more to his game and hopefully he will start becoming a prolific goal scorer for us. I'm not sure if I see it this season, but you know, hopefully when you've signed a £35 million attacking midfielder, you expect goals and assists, mm. really. Um, and that is something he's starting to add to his game. Um, yeah, any word on the second goal in particular? Yeah, I mean, as I said, the <coughs> Tierney got lucky that it kept on breaking to him despite his, uh, you know, original air shot. But I agree, uh, tends to be the way with Arsenal goals. Despite the messy ending beforehand, the, the passing was good. And yeah, that's... That's again that Tommy Asu's played a really nice ball into the box. I also think of that that ball he provided for Martinelli against Newcastle. Um, mm, I think it's perhaps yeah. a, a tad of an aspect of his game which you know goes under the radar a little bit just because he's viewed as this defensive fullback. And whilst he doesn't overlap consistently or, or whatever, his, his delivery is actually pretty good. Um, he mm. also. You know, against Liverpool, I remember he made a huge chance for uh, Bakayo Saka, uh, which was blocked by a last-ditch challenge yeah. by Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, it was Ox. Oh, by the Ox, yeah, sorry. Um, so, you know, it's just because he tucks in doesn't mean he can't contribute offensively. And let's not forget, he also mm. played a pivotal role in that first goal. Um, so, yeah, a, a word on my, on Tommy Asu. I just, I just thought he was so... He was better than decent. You know, everyone says he's decent every week. I thought he was outstanding. I thought um, he was really good. Yeah. And he's going from strength um, to strength. I can't believe he hasn't had a bad game for us yet. It's brilliant. And actually on the fullbacks, I thought this is an interesting tactical element to this game. We've spoken a lot about, and we did a video on this actually, about Tommy Asu's role and Tierney's role mm. on the other side and how... Tommy Asu is a bit of a make weight uh, in terms of how he tucks in um, and Tierney bombs on. If you look at the average positions in this game, it was a lot more balanced. Yeah, like, I know. It was not that. one fullback significantly further forward. Um, it was like Tierney and Tommy Asu were had pretty equal um, attacking outlets. And I, I think we spoke about this in games against inferior opposition at home. I think we can afford to have more balanced from our fullbacks in terms of how they attack and how far up the pitch they get. I mean, I mean, yeah, Tierney's especially when you consider how, as well. especially when you consider how balanced the team was in general as well. Mm, yeah, and I think that I looked at the stats for the game, and Tierney was actually our most progressive passer in this game. Wow, and mm. that's not something you normally associate him with, like receiving progressive mm. passes. But he was, you know, uses a bit like if Shaka was, you know, we speak about how we progress the ball down the left hand side. It's normally through Shaka, but Shaka was really misfiring on that aspect in this game, whereas Tierney was sort of making up for that with his progressive passing. 
uh, on the left-hand side. He was either leading for progressive passes or passing to the final third. I can't remember. But, he, you know, he was a ball yeah, progressive impressive. for us in this game. And that sort of shows the, the balancing out because Tommy Asu was also, I think he completed more passes than anyone else. Um, that's from Finton's Frolic shout. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting tactical. And we'll get into the second half because, as you mentioned, much, like pretty enjoyable. And it was, it, this yeah. was more, this was more rem- reminiscent of the Wenger days for me in in the way we sort of used to pile momentum and, and drill teams in for sustained periods um, and keep them boxed in. And even if I don't think the quality of chances was always there at times in the second half, uh, the, the pressure and the, the number of shots was pretty good. I think we had about 11 second half shots, yeah, 12, which in, in a, in a half is pretty impressive. And we would, we were just sort of peppering them in for, it was a good 10, 15 minutes. And also it, um, juxtaposes the way we sort of approach going ahead this season. We'd spoken about it, the reoccurring theme of us, you know, consolidating a lead and sitting back and allowing the opposition to come onto us a bit more, which we just didn't do in the second half. We pushed home our advantage. And yeah, there was that period where we hit the post twice. Um, Tommy Asu had a header save from a corner. Mm. We had quite a few corners in quick succession. Um, Gabriel had a goal ruled out and then obviously got the second. Talk to me about that period in general. Yeah, well, take nothing away from the team's sort of collective uh, work in sustaining that pressure. But my favourite aspect of it was just some of the the individuality uh, that, that we saw from some of our players, the confidence that, that they were playing with. Um, I spoke of those two shots that hit the post and, and they, those were the two standout moments for me because... That is two extremely talented players just showing their talent. Um, mm. You know, Martinelli, he had so many other options and he was like, fuck this, I'm going to have a pop. And he was so unlucky mm. not for that not to bounce off the post and go Which in. Which is what I want to see more and more because I thought he had a good game, but yeah, in terms yeah. Of shot, I think it, that was his only shot. And I, th- I think he's got the finishing ability and I want to see him take on more efforts like that. I mean, I mean if that went in, I just think... You know the, the the comparisons to Alexis Sanchez would have been more rife than, yeah. than they already yeah. have been because I've already seen a lot of talk about that on Twitter. Uh, it was hugely reminiscent the way he just sort of drifted past his men and was like, "Oh, no. Sanchez scored quite a few goals in that position." For yeah, us, he that did. Sort of style he did, and at, um, at that end. If Martinelli can start playing anything like a, a prime Alexis Sanchez, we'll have a serious player on our hands. Uh, and the same goes for mm. Lukaku Saka on on the right, who. Probably his best performance of the season in terms of his sustained attacking threat. He was just causing Southampton problems all game. Uh, and mm. the way he's growing oh, in... The footwork to get that shot off, how he managed that with about four or five players around yeah. him and the quality of shot was unreal. Yeah, and the way he dug it out of his feet was... Yeah, he just mm. so showed such serious composure. And, you know, where did that shot come from? I mean, I, I, I thought there was just no chance of that going... Uh, sort of getting out of his feet. It was... Absolutely mm. brilliant for him. But yeah, as, as I said, take nothing away from the team's sort of collected efforts. I also thought that the role of the centre-backs was really important. Ben White and Gabriel mm. were were so aggressive to make sure that Arsenal sustained their pressure. Same goes for Shaka yeah. in the midfield. Yeah. He broke things up really well. Yeah, just I think that was a really good example of you know what Mikel Arteta wants from this team when we're, when we're in that attacking he, phase. 
And that is what he's wanted, and that's what he keeps saying he wants, but we haven't seen it, really. Mm. We haven't seen us go into a two or three or one, even one goal lead, and then look to build on that more and, yeah. and you know, try and build on the lead. I mean, yeah, I mean, just haven't yeah. seen it. That that is how City control games at the end of the day. They just keep the ball and keep probing, keep thriving. Mm. Um, the, that is the template. That is that is where, where we want to get to, and we're signing the players to to move us into that direction. Not just mm. you know, it's and it's, I don't expect it for ninety minutes. No, every no, no, game because no. that's very hard. We're not like, on that we're not level at City's yet. level, but to do it more frequently for longer periods is you know that is yeah. a sign of progress. If we can do this more often, this sort of second half, yeah. Um, yeah, just a word on Saka. He's actually fifth for shot-creating actions per 90 yeah, in the Premier League for players with over 10 90s. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And I think how key has been to us creatively this season has been understated, particularly without Tierney, who was like a big creative influence for us last season mm. um, when Tierney was like out of the team. Um, set pieces, we looked, we looked shut up. Threatening as we have done a lot this season. Obviously, we had the goal disallowed. We had Tommy Asu's header, and then Gabriel. Um, and this, I think, he could easily get five or six goals oh, a season. He's such we a we saw Koscielny threat. knock up four or five goals a season for quite a long period. I see no reason why he couldn't do that because he's so powerful in the air. Such a, he tacks the ball brilliantly. I'm thinking of that brilliant header he scored against uh, Olympiacos last. I think was it oh wow, yeah, that was that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so if he can do that more often, that would be great. Great. This goal, I think, is slightly helped by a forty-year-old Willie Caballero who could yeah, not deal with our physical. He attacks the ball so the fiercely, anyway. Mm. Yeah, brilliant header, and we sort of kept going. Um, there was a little bit of a lull towards the end, but we'll take it. I thought the subs were smart. Gabriel coming off for holding. Um, on a yellow that was smart um pepe would have liked to see him maybe get a few more minutes yeah um it was the perfect surprise lacazette. Really. lacazette did come off for pepe didn't he yeah. um and i thought shaka could have come off a bit earlier given how exhausted he looked and i thought he was didn't have his greatest game mm. but yeah overall a pretty comfortable three points in the end um moves us up to sixth should we get into some individual performances because i do want to focus on some um yeah yeah for uh, me, Martin Odegaard yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna possibly one of the be- best players on the pitch. Yeah, I think in the first half, he, he was the best player on the pitch. Um, it, apart from Aaron Ramsdale, obviously, who was just... Yeah, we'll get on to yeah. him after this. But Odegaard was, was sizzling. Um, you know, he was getting into such good creative positions in between the lines. Uh, you touched on that, that, that back heel to Saka. Uh, that was, you know, this is a guy playing mm. with a lot of confidence. He's he's sort of been our our shining light in in recent weeks. You know, grabbing some goals. Um, you know, less said the better about that that penalty concession at United. Um, mm. But otherwise, yeah, he 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 looks like he's returning to his best. And uh, you know that that that's the Martin Erdegaard we signed for, for thirty five million. He, he was struggling at the start of the season, and then Lacazette booted him out the side. Uh, but yeah, he's he he is where we need him to be now, and he's another player like Bukayo Saka who is playing extremely well. Yeah, I don't think he's mm. really at his best yet, uh, and and that can only mean good things for this team. I think, you know. <sighs> I think this West Ham game is huge. I think if we win that, the confidence goes up, goes up massively, and you know we'll preview that game in a in a short while. But 
Yeah, mm. for a lot of these players, grabbing three points in in that game would just be so huge for the confidence of this mm. team heading into you mentally. Know, yeah, being able to bounce back after two very disappointing yeah. results and performances. Uh, also, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, regarding the league as well, I think it's crucial. You know, I w- I wouldn't have mm. viewed this game as must win if if we'd beaten Everton, but we didn't, so it is must win in mm. my eyes now. Yeah, and just on Odegaard, I think. I just don't think there's any other player in the squad who has the ability to connect our deeper midfielders and our forward players. I mm. think just his ability to find spaces in between the lines yeah. and and find spaces to allow relatively simple passes from a player of Partey's passing Yeah, no, I was, I was about Shaka. to say, Partey and him have a very nice relationship when Partey's mm. at his best. I'd, I'd like to see the, the, the figures for... Partey finding Odegaard with like line breaking passes because it feels like it's quite a frequent occurrence and mm. he just has that ability to find the, the the pockets and then even if when he gets it he doesn't produce like a, an insane intricate through ball or something he's just able to find that space and then find you know the the forward players and I think that was very useful in this game and his his numbers look pretty good from it as well um, yep. in terms of progressive passing and key passes. Um, and some, you know, standout moments. Obviously, the goal, the back heel for Saka. I think since he scored that goal against United, I think he wasn't having a great game at Old Trafford until he scored. And then since then, you know, you've really seen he looks just a completely different player, so much more confident. And I thought he had an excellent game. Ramsdale, you mentioned, um, he had quite a lot of work to do in this game even though Southampton didn't create any good chances that I can think of, but they had a lot of pot shots. Um, yeah. A really good save quite early on from Armstrong with his right hand, strong arm. A couple more in the second half. Some, he, he does like his, uh, like, I know the memes are going around and I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's does, a way of keeping the does, ball out of the net. He does like his camera saves. He does. But yeah. I don't care as long as he keeps the ball out of the net, he can save the ball however he likes. I know. Do you know what I love? Exactly. That is the only criticism they can find of him that he likes a camera save. Exactly. I, well, I, if, if you know when opposing fans are like making these memes about, you know, oh, it's just these camera saves. Yeah. You know he's doing well. Yeah, and you, you know, with, it was the same with like Bruno last season. You know, stat padding. Well, when whenever mm. someone says, "Oh, this guy's stat padding," you know they're just a bit jealous that they're scoring <laughs> loads of goals and getting assists. Um, mm. But but yeah, Ramsdale. I I I think he's the best goalkeeper in the league at the moment, and I I just don't think that's an overstatement at all. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, for, yeah. For me, this game like it was more about his distribution than like his shots. Yes, but I, yes. He made some good saves. They were. I just think at his, the end of the his, day, his, relatively comfortable. I just, that mm, that pass. His game to was fucking so Martinelli was me. unreal. Mm. Mm. He can he can just do a bit of everything, and yeah, that pass. You know, I think in the, the early days, we, we were all very excited and we drew the comparisons to Edison, but that is an Edison-esque pass. Um, yeah. it is, well, if Edison produced that, the match of the day pundits would be yeah. fucking creaming themselves. Yeah, um, and, and Ramsdale's got that in his locker. Um, I just don't know where the ceiling is for this guy because he's, he's a goalkeeper, age 23. That is very young for a goalkeeper. Um, he could hit crazy heights. Um and yeah, what a find by the Arsenal uh, recruitment team. We we all doubted them, but I think mm. it's pretty safe to say now that, that they have just proved us completely and utterly wrong. 
I think the most impressive part of that recruitment is being able to identify his distribution quality yeah, because yeah. that's the bit Sheffield I was most United, concerned about. Much, yeah, at Sheffield United there isn't there wasn't much evidence to suggest he was a great passer because basically was continuously going long and long and long and you know long balls are a bit of a you know a bit random whether you yeah. actually complete the pass or not whereas you know if there was not much evidence of him being able to play these like cute little balls into midfield where you know really breaks you know brings takes three or four players yeah. out the game breaks lines um yeah he was excellent uh we mentioned Saka Martinelli I thought was good mm. um any more individual performances you want to focus on no I think they were the standout four if if I'm being honest uh as I mentioned, the, the centre-backs were very aggressive. Uh, Gabriel was imperious after a, a tricky start. Uh, mm. I liked I liked Tony him. Tony was excellent. Yeah. Uh, mm. I think Partey grew into the game. I was I was talking to Ross Kennelly about this on Twitter. I was just saying, you know, still not where we needed him to be, but he clearly benefited from that sort of confidence game. He, he, he managed to drift through past a few players. He, he remembered that that was a key asset of his game, it, it seemed. Um, hmm. You know, he, he does have that in his locker. And yeah, he played a few nice passes, played pretty important role in that, that period of sustained pressure. So yeah, better performance from him, but yeah, still demanding so much more because we absolutely need it. Did you, um, did you manage to read that piece that, uh, the athletic posted about him, about sort of the, the transition of Atletico Madrid players to the premier league? I thought it was pretty interesting. I have not. I, that sounds interesting. Yeah. It, it's just that, you know, Atletico Madrid players transferring to, not only the Premier League, just different clubs, it, it often doesn't go very well um, mm. just because they play in such a rigid uh, sort of such a unique, unique structure. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it's a bit of a worry, I can't lie. But I do think that last season, Partey showed that he was more than capable of being a fantastic Premier League player. I just think he's genuinely in a bad patch. Um So hopefully mm. he can return to those levels of last season and go above them. I you know, he thinks he hasn't adapted to the Premier League. I think that's bullshit. I think we saw some really good performances from him last season, which indicate he's more than capable of playing in this league. Um, <clears throat> we just need him to demand that from himself and for him to go up that level because, yeah, that Everton away performance, bloody hell, awful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's time then to address the uh, Aubameyang situation. Yeah. Not the first time he's uh, been late or <laughs> not arrived. Um, the story is basically that what well, he was he was granted permission by the club to travel to France to uh, see his mother, who has who was actually very ill uh, early. Was it his mother or maybe it was his grandma who was ill earlier? This, regardless, he wanted to see his mum, so he went to France. Uh, he was then meant to fly back on the Thursday so he could be in training for the Friday or maybe it was the Wednesday in training on the Thursday. Uh, instead, he flew back the next day in the morning so he could arrive at training, which was apparently something, some problem with the COVID protocols. And then he was obviously late for training or he didn't turn up. I, I should have researched this more. Yeah. Uh, basically, he didn't turn up or was late or something. And... 
He came back on the wrong yeah. day. He was supposed. He, he arrived back yeah, in time. Exactly. But um, he he was supposed to get back on the Wednesday evening, and he got back on Thursday morning. And that resulted in issues uh, with the COVID pro- protocols. Yeah, he was clearly um, under quite clear instruction, and he sort of went against that instruction. I think that's that's the easiest mm. way to put it. Yeah, and you know that is the second. As we said, he was he was late for the North London derby last season. A little bit more out of his control, that one, because of traffic. Obviously, it's not yeah. really an excuse, but, you know, there was poor traffic. It was a mistake that someone can make at some point, whereas yeah. this is just he chose to come back a day later, which, like, he wasn't supposed to, which is pretty poor. Hmm. Um, I mean, the Athletic... Yeah, there isn't really... The piece on yeah. the Athletic seemed to think that Arteta already bends the rules for him a little bit. Because just just that's his character, and he's such a big influence in the dressing room that you don't want to upset him. But it must mean that you know that this really upset those at Arsenal, and the fact that Arteta felt the need to intervene, um, you know, perhaps yeah. betrays that. But but what do you think about that 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 other side of Arteta making everything this so public? You know, it's not the first time that he has with regarding his his club captain. It, it can't go down well when he does this. I don't have a problem with it because mm-hmm. I think, like, if he, uh, like, I understand people saying he should keep it under under the wraps and, and, you know, not make it public, but I think it sort of sets a precedent to players that if they do breach these rules and guidelines that they shouldn't, and there's no excuse really or no reason for them to, they are going to get called out for it on a very public stage. And, you know, that should deter them from doing it again if you know what I mean it clearly hasn't for Aubameyang um, and you know he's your club captain he can't be making if it, if it was a young you know 19 year old whatever who'd just come into the first team who'd, who'd breached it you know you, you could you, that happens all the time you mm. could yeah they always they, there's a lot of cases of young players making mistakes like that in the public um, domain or whatever for Aubameyang it's pretty ridiculous and I know Daniel said he should have his captaincy stripped I don't know about that I mean yeah go on what were your thoughts on that I I honestly don't know like yeah I think it's really tricky yeah like it it does like because I I still don't buy the fact that Aubameyang doesn't care or since his contract contract, he's given up blah 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 he's played well at times start of the season he was very good yeah I just think he's made two stupid off the field mistakes Mm. um, since well in like the last six or seven months I don't yeah it's and it's not even as if he's a bad egg he's just a clumsy fucker and you know (laughs) yeah that's you know you shouldn't be as club captain but I think the, the wider issue is just he probably shouldn't be club captain to be honest. And I I actually argued for him being club captain back yeah. when yeah, so like, they, he, was he was the obvious choice. Because he was he was our talisman, he was the absolute leader, he was the main man in the dressing room. In hindsight, uh, maybe that was a mistake, but yeah. I think um he'll continue as, as club captain. Uh I think he'll still wear that armband, but you know, there's gonna be someone who assumes that role off the pitch. I think I think Arteta's probably gonna run out of patience with him. But uh I think it would probably be foolish to strip him of the captaincy just because of how influential he is in that dressing room. You don't want a, a Bamiang turning into sort of a 
a, a bad chatter regarding Arteta and I don't know if he would, but he might, uh, you know, despite the fact he might not be your typical leader, he does seem pretty proud of the fact that he's captain of Arsenal Football Club. So yeah. what, what's the point of upsetting? And I genuinely do believe he is trying and he's, I still feel like he likes, like he really likes the club. I don't know if I'd say he loves the club, but I think he, I think he feels at home here and he said yeah. that when he signed the new contract and I don't think it was purely down to well, money. Well, he's got a bloody tattoo um, of him winning the FA Cup on his arm or something, you know, with the 14 yeah, exactly. on it. You know, he, he does, I th- yeah, he really does. He's enjoyed his time at this club. I think he'll leave next summer um, if if we can find a buyer or you know a decent deal for him. Um, mm. But but for the the time being, I've, you know, what's the point of the uproar of another saga at Arsenal Football Club? You know, Amazon are rub, oh, yeah. rubbing their hands, rubbing their yeah. hands together at the prospect of Arsenal stripping Aubameyang's captaincy. I just uh, you know, just let someone else be the captain in real in. Realistic terms, wear an invisible armband. Let's face it; I think Granit Xhaka is probably the captain of this team. Um, mm. But you know, there's no need to take that physical armband away from uh, Pierre Aubameyang at the moment. I was I was kind of gutted that mm. um, when uh, <coughs> when I think Lacazette went off, that Holding was on the pitch because I would have been interested to see who the uh, armband went to. If if surely uh, it would have been Shaka, yeah, yeah, was has, he, like, has he has he been captain? I think he has a few times actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't can't think of a specific one, but I know he has worn the armband a couple of times. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, would, I did laugh when it was given to Holding. I was like, yeah. I completely forgot he was seen as like a oh, they, s- they just, sort of yeah. senior figure in the dressing room. They just like his temperament, I think, don't they? And and mm. do you know what I love? I love his hair. Good for Rob Holding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what a cameo! Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he was fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Arteta did say this is the start of his punishment. What do you expect? Do you expect him to, you know, be left out? for a few more games or do you think he'll come straight back yeah. in? Yeah, I mean, in that athletic piece, it was saying that um, I think he's got, after West Ham, I think he's got like two more games or something and then it's AFCON. Um, so, yeah. if we don't reintroduce him before AFCON, that will be a long time without Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but, you know, Gabon will probably go out in the group stage. Um, True. I, think I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the bench against West Ham. Yeah, I think I think I that think should be start. the way it is. Uh, what, yeah. What's the need to make this into a huge prolonged saga, even if you know it's not all sorted? Let's just, for the sake of keeping the public eye away from it, just put him on the bench. And if we really need him, like we might in an important game against West Ham, you know, just bring bring yeah. him on. Put it, put it behind us, and and let's move on from this. You know, that would be the best way for Bamian to reclaim his confidence, even when the manager seems averse to picking him. If he can come on and score in an absolutely crucial game, you know, let let's not forget that Bamian is in a wretched run run of form as well. You know, this will not do his confidence any good. Uh, he'll be at mm. <laughs> probably one of his lowest points as an Arsenal player right now. You know, let let's please not make him a, a maligned character. Let's just bring him back in and sort of sweep it under the carpet because I don't, just don't see the need to protract it. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, that does perfectly move us on or transition us to 
West Ham, which is in two days' time, obviously. Uh, you'll be at the game. I may well be at the game. Yep. Uh, yeah, West Ham. Very, very big game. Difficult Huge. game. Obviously, they are what, a point or two points ahead of us. Mm. Um, I think it's two after they drew with Burnley yep. yesterday. It is the sort of game we've t- spoken about the difference between our home and away form and how we have been pretty dreadful away from home when you look at the metrics and then pretty, well, very good at home and it's backed up with the the actual results. Um, That also sort of does coincide with the fact that our away fixtures have just been significantly harder. You know, we've played United, Liverpool, um, Chelsea. Chelsea was at home. Oh yeah, Um, City away. Yeah, Everton. Uh, even Brighton away, and then yeah. at home we've you know we've we basically just played Spurs and Chelsea. Um, yeah. West Ham will be you know a good test of like whether we are actually pretty good at home. Um, yeah, because it's probably it's probably our first properly difficult home game since Chelsea. Like yeah. maybe Crystal Palace looked like a, have been pretty good this season. That was quite difficult, but you know this is like our first. Bit. So this will be like a. a good indicator of whether we are actually pretty good at home um mm. yeah very physical side they will fantastic to side press yeah. us somewhat yeah uh a lot of threats they are starting to i think see the impact of playing in europe like yeah. and having quite a thin squad particularly in certain areas like central midfield and up front Centre uh, backs, a lot too. of reliance on Antonio. A lot of injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how are you feeling to, ahead of this game? I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm nervous. I, 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 I only bought the ticket for the match today because prior to the Southampton game, I wasn't going to go because I was pretty confident that we'd lose. Um, but yeah, that that's added a bit of feel good factor, and perhaps that that shows my sort of non-biased opinion towards it if that's what I genuinely thought before you know a a convincing win but how much that is going to boost our confidence you know is is still to be seen um yeah it it is huge like as I said previously this this is a must-win game and it's annoying that it is a a must-win game because it didn't have to be but it is and regardless as you say Alfie um it's really important that we do win this game because we need to show that, you know, we are actually a good team. We don't, um, we're not just, you know, being all, all the minnows. Let, let, let's, let's put a statement result out there and be a really good side. Um, you know, the goals have stopped flowing a bit for Antonio up front and they're struggling in defense with Ogbonna and Zuma both injured. Um, and that's something we should definitely look to play on. Uh, you know, let, let's cause those those guys some problems. Um, but yeah, there, there'll be some huge tests out there. You know, um, you've got Gabriel likely up against it, the the hugely physical Antonio. Uh, you've got uh, sort of how he also deals with Jared Bowen, who's in absolutely fantastic form. Um, then you've got the the battle in the middle of the park. How a part end? How's how Shaka going to cope against a, a proper good side after his his months out injured? There are so many interesting aspects to to look at, um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can overcome it. But yeah, my 
my initial reaction or my initial sort of thoughts are that it's going to be a really tough game and I'm not going to sit here saying that I think Arsenal are going to win it. Mm. And do you think he goes unchanged again? I, th- I think so. I don't I don't see the point of changing anything. Well, what about you? Mm. I just think it's our best team. Yeah. I, 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 think, yeah, I, I think, I, as we said, I don't think Aubameyang will come back in. No, I think probably I, um, a, a nimble Enketia against, you know, some sluggish West Ham defenders would probably be advisable, but I don't know if that will happen. I, I wouldn't start Enketia. I was pretty disappointed when he came on at United and Everton. Mm. Um, and I know he looked decent off the bench against Everton, but I just don't see the point when he's going to leave for free. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I just, I just, no. I. What about Smith Rowe? Because I, you, you start your best player mm, in your best games, really, don't you? In your most important see games. The, what I said for Southampton was that I wanted to see Martinelli down the middle and Smith Rowe come on the left. I know that front four would lack a bit of uh, experience and, you know, maybe against such a physical side, playing front four, such a youthful front four may lack a bit of presence mm. um but i think it you know martinelli's movement against as we said or bonner and zoom are out so it's going to be what dawson and um diop i think and diop yeah that's you know not the most mobile center-back pairing if you have martinelli who's you know got very good movement maybe that's a bit more threatening it's mithro coming back into the side You've got that trio that work tends to work well together with Saka, Odegaard, and Smith Rowe. I don't know. Mm. I'll be tempted to do that. I'd also, as I've said, I don't think Shaq has played particularly well in the two games he's come back. Obviously, the mitigating factors, you know, he's just come back from a month out and he probably shouldn't have even been thrown into either game. I think maybe as he showed in both games where he tired pretty early, three games in a week might be a bit of a stretch for him at the moment. And I'd be tempted to bring Lakonga back in. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think Lukonga was excellent against Newcastle, and since then we've not seen him. Other than that, I can't really. Like, I think the back five will stay the same. I think yeah, Partey will start again. I think Odegaard and Saka are nailed on. I think Martinelli should play again. So I think it's basically at this point Smithrow or Lacazette and Partey or Shaka or Lukonga, Sorry, Shaka or Lukonga. We're a better team when uh, Smithrow plays. I think you have to play him. Mm. I think you know. This season, he's so been. Did you drop Lacazette or Martinelli or? You know, else? I, we haven't seen Martinelli up front in a while, um, but that's not to say it can't work. I think his, you know, I remember he played there against West Brom last season. I think, and he was very sort of lacking, lacking in um, in match fitness at that point. He was hardly playing for us. Um, whereas now he's got mm. a good run of games under his belt um, and. Yeah, he can cause some, perhaps, uh, you know, they're defending a rigid unit. And that's that's not to say that, that these guys are dreadful defenders or whatever, but he is the one out of those sort of options that we've got up front who would likely cause some immobile defenders the most problems. Um, and yeah, if, if we can get up in their, in their faces and press high, Martinelli's the best presser in the club at the end of the day. I think that would make more sense. Um, but if I'm being honest, I, I do think that Arteta will probably stick with with Lacazette. Mm. Yeah, I think he will. And I, I can see the reasoning behind that, just because I said a bit more presence. Um, 
physically and you know yeah that, that's the other thing psychologically whilst martinelli might cause those guys problems they could also absolutely dominate him so yeah perhaps the presence of Lacazette would be more sensible in this game absolutely um yeah i agree anything anything more to add in regards to southampton or or with regards to Southampton or West Ham? No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, uh, um, it's good, it's good, good that we're that 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 all about momentum now. And, and I think it's fair to say this is one of the most important, important games of the season. season. And, and we're going to be really looking forward to the Christmas run because it's a really good sort of board to bounce off. However, if we don't win it, yeah, It'll just be really deflating. Um, um, I feel like this team needs needs another statement statement victory, a bit like when we beat uh, Villa and Elastic consecutively. I know that both have been dreadful this season, but, you know, I'd love it if we could get that feel-good factor back, and I think we can. Uh, I just don't know if we will. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think everyone expected us to beat quite a poor Southampton side, but if we can... So, yeah, I I don't think the sort of wounds from those two defeats have been at all really covered yet uh, and I think a, a win in this game would and it would move us above West Ham for the first time in a while so yeah I mean maybe they are the ones keeping up maybe the first time the this season yeah. I don't think we've been above them at all so and I don't know United are playing um, I wonder if Spurs' game will go ahead yeah it doesn't look like United's uh, will actually mm. yeah yeah well oh yeah that's true so we could go into the top four yeah who knows and that would be you know Pre-Christmas top four be a party, party atmosphere at the Emirates. We then go to Leeds and then Sunderland at home just before Christmas. Yeah. For a trip to Norwich on Boxing Day and then Wolves and then City at 12.30 on New Year's Day. Oh, I might well, just everyone's going to be so up for that, that one, aren't they? <laughs> Could they have given us a worse fixture at a worse yeah. time? I mean, it's home, isn't it? Oh, I hate playing City at home. Yeah. It's almost worse than away. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is there a more inevitable? I think everyone should just get together and just decide. Yeah, I remember we, James we could just forfeit. The it's only three 0 defeat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just forfeit the game. No one wants to play that. So yeah, come to an agreement. Yeah. We all know that Pep and and Arteta are good mates. I'm sure that something can be arranged. Just both sides, exactly. both sides play the kids. Fake some COVID tests <laughs> and just say we got like. Yeah, you know, seven tests, seven positive yeah, tests, just, and just, we, we need to cancel yeah. that game. At least give it to us in like April or something, mm, mm. you know. Uh, and nice just to... pretend as well, like, or, or just say that you know, oh, COVID has all of a sudden got awful in the Emirates Stadium area. Fans can't attend, nor can camera crew. It's just going to be play behind closed doors, and we'll let you know what the result is. But don't worry about it. That would be great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I still very I still kind of inexperienced in this hosting role. Yeah. Um because it is yeah, you're, you're all right at it, to be fair. I'll, ch- I'll take that. <laughs> um high compliment from uh, me. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um I guess marketing opportunity of a lifetime. I fuck that. Yeah. Marketing opportunity of a lifetime. That's awful for me, mate. Plug yourself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm just going to plug my Twitter. I've been very lazy with my articles lately, but I am now back home from uni, so I'll be writing again this week. So, you know, if you listen to this for some reason after the West Ham game, uh, there'll be an article up from me on welovearsenal.co.uk. And 
just go check out my Twitter. Why not? AFC underscore blogger 49. I release some um, sometimes good tweets. Sensational. Mm. Love it. Uh, my marketing opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, we love you also at Cody K. Uh, Wonderful. I should have a piece out tomorrow, hopefully. Um, we need a song. Yep. Was waiting for that. Do you have any ideas, mm. Avicultural? Fucking nothing, to be honest. This is Southampton at home. There's no, um, there's no like obvious thing. Yeah, it's a song about saints or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we bounce back with a win. Yes, I'm going to find a song called Bounce Back. This is my fight song. <laughs> there is a song by Big Sean called Bounce Back. I'm not sure how okay. it goes, but but everyone's going to hear this song for the first time at the end of our podcast. Okay, well, yeah, we'll go to that, wherever it is. Hopefully it's not explicit. I mean, it, it does have a, an explicit uh, logo next to it, so you might have to find the non-explicit version. Okay, I'll have a look. Yes, have, right. a, look. have a listen. And yeah. if not, it, choose it a different song. It should be coming in right now, because yep. given there's about 10 seconds. Absolutely. Left, if it's not, then, yeah. All right, well, uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you maybe with an extra Canon podcast after the West Ham game, hopefully. Mm. Um, uh, probably with, with, with Rob and Mac. Yep. Um, so, yeah, cheers for listening, and, yeah, see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning, by the night I count stacks. Knew that ass was real when I hit it, bounce back. Took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell. Catch the check and bounce back. D Town LAX, every week I bounce back. Whoa, if you a real one, then you know how to bounce back. Don't know nobody, oh nobody. Always on the fucking job. I got no hobbies. Got the city fucking with me, cause I'm homegrown. Vibing out more than my phone. No, leave me alone. Me on my own, no. Look, I cut the bitch off like an edit. My daddy G is genetics. I heard your new shit is pathetic. Your contrast should be shredded. To my dog. On a private jet from the public house And I kept a G, yeah, 1,000 Click stars that are like the Paramount money Everything I do is righteous Betting on me is the right risk Even in a fucking crisis I'm never on some switch of side shit I switch gears to the night shift Blacking out cause I'm enlightened God talk to me in silence But I hear him every time, man Thank you, God, God bless you Thank Last you so night much. took an L, but tonight I bounce back Wake up every morning, by the night I count stacks Knew that ass was real when I hit it, bounce back You ain't getting checks Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell. Cast a check and bounce back. D Town LAX, every week I bounce back. If you a real one, then you know how to bounce back. Look. I woke up in beast mode. With my girl, that's beauty in the beast though. Been top five, these niggas sleep though. Only thing that sold out is the sea store. Nigga, how dare you stand before me and I respect my authority. If you fuck with my glory, I'ma drop the L and get gory. I done did everything except worry. Hella drama, my life story. Faith of a mustard seed, I kept growing. I knew that this life was meant for me. Niggas change that more than wishing wells. Karma come around, I wish them well. Living like I'm on a limitless pill, I kill the scene like I'm Denzel. Crazy like my jacket strapped up, nigga, I don't act, but I act up Brown paper bag like the lunch packed up Back, 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 back up, nigga I'ma need like 10 feet or get stomped out with 10 feet I'ma always lose my temper, you cannot count to 10 me If I lose
lose one, I bounce back like two, three, deal with four, five. Damn. Seen courtrooms and court size, ain't too many, seen both sides. Oh, nigga, no. fuck what you know. Nigga, I'm taking back control. The underdog just turned into the wolf and the hunger steady grows. Yeah, I call shots while you call off. Never taking some more fall off. When you stay that committed to it, you just fall down and never fall off. So last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning, by the night I count stacks. Knew that ass was real when I hit it, bounce back. You ain't getting checks. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell, catch the check and bounce back. D-Town LAX, every week I bounce back. If you a real one, then you know how to bounce back. Bounce back, bounce, bounce, bounce back, bounce, 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 bitch, bounce. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is you a real one? Bounce. Done.